Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Morata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Morata. Spectacular. Bickley and Morata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Morata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Thursday, Valley sports fans. How is everybody doing? Did you miss me? All right, yes. Don't answer that. Of course we did. Oh, wait, you were gone? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> how about that? Well, while I was gone, bedridden for two days, I, I come to discover we have a unanimous greatest baseball player in the history of the world. I've already rejected, I've already kind of rebuked this idea that because stuff happened when I wasn't here doesn't mean I have to validate it and talk about it. But Shohei Otani was crowned the greatest baseball player ever. Is that the trophy that they gave him? I think so. (laughs) According to our poll that we did yesterday, he, he is not leading. He is actually losing 57% to 43%. But Who is I, Mark Reynolds leading that poll, Jarrett? <laughs> the Mark Reynolds hat trick. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is, though. Jarrett qualified the question yesterday. He didn't present it as such on social media, but in our discussion, he mm-hmm. qualified it by saying, not the most accomplished, just the best. Yeah, well, he can't be the most accomplished because he doesn't have the time served. Sure. Yet. It's between but him and Roy Hobbs right now. It's kind I think of, that's, yeah. That's it, it really it. is. Him and, and Crash Davis. <laughs> what was the what was the fake Sid? Uh, Sid, Sid Finch. Sid, Sid Finch. Finch. Threw a 168-mile-an-hour fastball. Sid Vicious. <laughs> Sid Luckman. <laughs> Sid from Toy Story. Sidney Australia. Ooh. Sid Nancy. <laughs> Sitting on my butt. There you go. So yeah, that's all I got. So, oh, but, but, are you so? Are yeah. you saying that that's a ridiculous I, statement no, to I, make? I, or I do don't. You? No, I, I don't think it's a ridiculous thing at all. I, I really, w- when you take that moment, and again, it's the World Baseball Classic, but you just still distill it down to a moment. That was as Hollywood as it gets. Yes. Yeah, so, so you're no. the opposite of Mad Dog Russo. Yeah, yeah. no, I am. I, I I do think that I don't know how you could argue with that. If the guy throws 102 miles per hour and hits baseballs 500 feet, yeah, I guess maybe. Can I maybe can I it's, maybe the, it's him? Can I present you the question that I asked at the end of yesterday's show on the other side of that matchup? Mike Trout, probably you know, also considered one of the best of all time. Yeah. I asked the question, when is he going to have his moment? Well, that's a thing. He's never had no, one. No, listen, that's a thing. So to me, and again, for just a stupid classic, Mike Trout's got to wear that a little bit. He just has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And you wonder if that stupid moment's going to kind of change the way we all start to look, start to look at Mike Trout. Because what has he ever won? That's his. Yeah. Uh, that's I his know. villain origin story right there. That's there you where go. The, that's where the movie's like going to start. All right, Ferret, start the show. The splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Hey, 
The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, the Suns, they got tripped up by the Lakers in L.A., 122-111. to 111. Anthony Davis, 27 points, 9 rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, the good version, showed up last night, 26 points. Austin Reeves, the new MVP of the league at 25. Lakers got their first win over the Suns since Game 3 of the first round of the playoffs back in 2021. The other big story in the game was free throws. Have you heard? Uh, the Lakers shot 46. They made 36 of them. Suns went 15 of 20 from the line on the night. Monty Williams walked out of his press conference after answering one question addressing the free throw differential. Devin Booker, who had most of those free throws for the Suns, 33 in the loss. Phoenix now clinging, and I mean clinging, to fourth place in the West by a half game over the Clippers in a game over the Warriors. Suns will stay in California for another road game Friday night in Sacramento against the third place Kings. That game at Golden One Center will tip off at 7 o'clock. Yeah, what a yucky game all the way around. It was. It was a, yeah, it, not it was, a lot of... It was bad basketball. Not a lot of redemption in that basketball game last night. No, no matter where you look. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We'll have a lot on the uh, Suns, not just the game, but the big picture landscape for the Suns at this point of the season. Last night in the NBA, a game with big ramifications in the West and potentially on the Suns. Golden State beat Dallas 127-125. There's a ton of controversy around it. The Warriors got an easy basket out of a timeout late in the third quarter when Dallas defenders went into their offensive end after the timeout. There was confusion on an out-of-bounds play preceding the timeout, although official Andy Nagy clearly signaled it was Golden State ball and then pointed to the Dallas bench to indicate the mandatory under-three-minute timeout was being assessed to Dallas. Mavericks owner Mark Cuban protested the outcome of the game based on that sequence. Uh, there hasn't been a, a successful protest in the NBA, I think, since 2008. So it's an yeah, uphill battle. Do you know? Do you know who was involved in that one? I don't. Okay, so that was a. I think that was an Atlanta Hawks Miami Heat game, and they called six fouls on Shaq, and they sent Shaq to the bench, but oh, he only had five. Oh, that's right. So the NBA demanded they replay the game later, the final 59 seconds of the game, and Shaq had been traded to Phoenix. Yes, that's right. I do and remember. So Shaq didn't even make the final 59 seconds, and when they replayed it, nobody scored a point. (laughs) They gathered back for 59.1 seconds, and nobody scored a point. We'll have more on that that scene in uh, in Dallas last night too. John Morant returned from Memphis, came off the bench, scored 17 points in the Grizzlies 130 to 125 win over Houston, and Carl Anthony Towns returned from a 51 game absence and helped the Timberwolves to a fourth quarter comeback in a 125 124 win over Atlanta. The T-Wolves are back to 500 at 37-37. and 37. Paul George of the Clippers suffered a knee injury and a loss to Oklahoma City on Tuesday night, but he and the team have avoided a worst-case scenario. It's being reported as a right knee sprain. George will be evaluated in two to three weeks. New Orleans Pelicans forward Zion Williamson, who's been out since early January with a hamstring injury. He's been cleared for workouts, but is out for at least two more weeks. Pelicans were 23 and 14 at the time of the injury. They're 12 and 23 since. Ugh. He's probably pretty important to what they're doing. Well, yeah, but but he wasn't that important near the end of last year, so I don't know quite what their excuse is, but yeah, yeah he they, is pretty important to they what have they're doing. not recaptured their, uh, their without Zion Madden. From last year. Yeah, it's just the, these whole playoffs are really starting to take on an absurd feel. Guys who are going to be rolling in from injury right when they begin. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Right, maybe. The NCAA tournament resumes tonight. Sweet 16 games in New York and Las Vegas. In the East Region at Madison Square Garden, it'll be seventh-seeded Michigan State facing the three-seed Kansas State, followed by nine-seed Florida Atlantic against number four, Tennessee. The West Region going on at T-Mobile Arena, eight-seed Arkansas takes on fourth-seed UConn, and that's followed by Gonzaga and UCLA, a battle of three and two seeds there. Uh, Arizona guard Kerr Creesa has entered the transfer portal. Oh, pause, no, pause please, come back. No, Carlin stop, reaction. please. Please, no, stop. Uh, I the, feel like Willy Wonka trying to stop the kids from murdering yeah, themselves yeah, in his please, chocolate factory. Stop. <laughs> stop. The no, Estonian guard has led the Pac-12 in total assists each of the last two seasons. Uh, Notre Dame has a new basketball coach. It's Micah Shrewsbury. Micah Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury's taste like Shrewsbury's. <laughs> it's a very Wonka. Wow, very yeah. Wonka-ish day so far. Uh, he yeah, comes from Penn got? State where he coached the Nittany Lions for two years uh, and into the NCAA tournament this past season. He succeeds Mike Bray, who retired after 23 seasons at South Bend. Quiet day for the Cardinals. They didn't add any free agents on Wednesday, but around the league, the Jets making deals. They traded wide receiver Elijah Moore and the 74th pick in this year's draft to the Browns for the 42nd overall pick. They also added wide receiver McCole Hardman, who spent four years with Kansas City on a one-year deal. Yotes had a couple of one-goal leads last night, but they end up losing to the Edmonton Oilers in overtime 4-3. Connor McDavid opened the scoring in the first and then closed it a minute 31 into the extra period. His 60th goal of the season. Leon Dreisaitl had four assists for Edmonton. Clayton Keller, two more goals for the Yotes. He has 34 on the year. That road trip comes to an end in Denver Friday night against the Avalanche. Then uh, the Yotes back home at Mullet Arena in Tempe for seven of their last nine games of the season. And the D-backs had the day off yesterday. Today, their last split squad day of the spring. Half the team in Mesa to face the Cubs at Sloan Park at 105. The other half hosting the Dodgers at Salt River Fields at we are We are within a week of opening day. A week from today? How about that? Yeah. Can you imagine? Time, that, that, that's one thing that sneaks up on you every year. Opening day? Yeah, you get to get into Cactus League play. Yeah, and that's just, true. You, you, and you, it just, right. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you're enjoying right. Cactus League and although... Or not. The coldest spring training game yeah. I've ever attended was uh-huh. earlier this week. <laughs> Man, that was miserable. There you go. There's your splash for March 23rd. Dan Bickley is back! I'm back! Woo! And he's well-equipped to talk about the Suns' loss to the Lakers last night. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley defeats Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Anthony Davis will do the honors as he gets it from Reeves, and that'll do it. 122-111, the final score tonight in L.A. The Lakers get their first win against the Suns in a couple of years. John Bloom on the call from Crypto.com Arena. When's that name going to change, by the way? On the Suns Radio Network, 11-point win for the Lakers, and he's right, the first win for the Lakers since that playoff series. Basically since... The Lakers decided to clown on the Suns uh, in that in that playoff series, and it's been a one-sided affair ever since, but not mm-hmm. last night as the Lakers get the best of the Suns, and 
we had a discussion while you were gone about uh, panic buttons, and people are saying, oh, it's not time to hit the panic button just yet. But I did say, probably a good idea to know where the panic button is when you want to press it. Yeah, yeah. Just in case you need it? Just in case you need it. All right, so that's where we're at? Uh, That's where I'm at. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. Uh, This this team, uh, the Phoenix Suns, has a lot of issues. And... um, we will get to the officiating part of mm-hmm. this because this is the story from the game. It was all the reaction after the game by the Suns. But make no mistake about it, Bick. That's not the reason why they lost this game. The Suns played a miserable basketball yeah. game. Uh, defensively, they were awful. They allowed the, the Lakers to shoot 56% from the floor. Um, they turned the ball over a ton. Again, after you know identifying that as an issue, points off turnovers in the last game was a real big issue. It remained an issue last night. You know, Devin Booker was the only threat really to score once again consistently, and he struggled handling the ball. He had seven turnovers last night. It was not a good basketball game, yeah. and, and and a team right now that doesn't look like it's equipped to win with the current no, cast of characters. No, it doesn't, it, and it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of self-belief, and, and I just wonder, I wonder how much the deconstruction, I was thinking this last night, even though it's really not a forefront issue from last night's game, I couldn't help but think about this, and that is the deconstruction of Chris Paul's game, and what he's able to do now, and what he's not able to do, and I, I just wonder if what he's not able to do is sort of brought the group down psychologically in terms of how they look at themselves. Mm -hmm. Even after the game last night, Monty Williams was asked about Chris Paul's on-ball usage, and he said it's been down a ton. Yeah, that was and, before the game. Oh, that was before yeah, the game. Yeah. Okay, but it so, ha- and he's right; it has been. Yeah, and and so so that puts your team. You're now so now if that's the case, if your Hall of Fame point guard needs to be protected from age that much, where you, his ball control and his ball usage is down a ton, well, that's tax, taxing other players. And I, and I, I couldn't help but wonder some of that last night. Um, going into last night's game, Monty also said we are going to tighten up this playoff rotation. I'm done playing a bunch of guys, and he ended up playing a bunch of guys. So I, I think there's a lot of confusion here. About, there is. About what exactly, what exactly are the issues, what is getting fixed, and does Kevin Durant fix all of this? Well, uh, we, we had the discussion uh, in the last couple of days when, when Tim Ring was sitting in for you, Bick, and, and I brought this point up, and you know Monty's going to get a lot of crap for that, that statement about cons- a more concise rotation. It's a difficult spot to put yourself into a head coach as a head coach because to have a concise rotation, you have to have those nine guys that you can rely on every single night. The Suns have about two reliable guys right now. So with this cast of characters, you don't know what you're going to get from three through nine. You are throwing darts. I mean, last night it was Ish Wainwright and Damian Lee that found themselves out of the rotation, and Baisley got a couple minutes, but... You know, T.J. Warren came in, and you know they're going for a more offensive approach. If, if T.J. Warren can't be a scoring threat, he is of no use of the, to the mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns, and he started to pick it up a little bit. So I, I just think Monty's in a really hard spot, especially without DeAndre Ayton being out there, uh, where he could say, this is my rotation, because there are not guys stepping up no. and claiming those rotation spots. No, no, and and, and again, we all, we all have to back up again and kind of say, this is the deal that the Suns have made. They they have made this very risky bargain to trade for a player who was injured at the time they traded for him mm-hmm. um, for this for this high ceiling, and we all have to remind ourselves that that <clears throat> there isn't much of a team here. 
That's that's the facts here. And they're trying to find one, but the clock is ticking. And they don't know where to fit into where because there's flaws all over the floor. And now you're going up against teams that need to win games. And so all of this is getting all of this is all these issues are getting very compacted into a very short window of opportunity. And and again, and and everyone is just pointing their fingers at NBA officiating. Yes. I want to go back to something you brought up earlier, too, on on the Chris Paul front and what he can and can't do right now. And you're right. I mean, they've taken a lot of the ball handling duties, things that taxed Chris Paul and things that were exploited last year in the postseason, pressuring Chris Paul, bringing the ball up and really making him work to set up the offense. That's not happening now. Devin Booker's doing it. Josh Okogie's doing it. Other players are equipped. Even before the trade, Mikel Bridges was handling the ball a ton. And if you didn't watch the game last night, and you just looked at the box score, and you look at what Chris Paul did, and you look at 8-for-17 shooting, and he scored 18 points, and he hit two of four threes, you'd say, okay, not bad. Only four assists, maybe a product, especially last night, of less ball handling. Mm-hmm. But the eyeball test will tell you differently. Chris Paul missed nine of his 17 shots last night, and a lot of them were shots that in years past... You would automatically count like a Chris Paul. Chris Paul got to his spot. That's two points. He's not making those shots with regularity anymore. No, yeah, that's true. And and the idea of penetrating the lane. And he never was a finish at the rim kind of guy. No. But he's really gotten very unathletic in that realm. And so I, I just yeah, again, it, it's it's not the greatest. It's not ideal, Vinny. And and I think that. You just really hope that when Kevin Durant comes back, he is going to be so healthy and so motivated that they're going to get back to doing what we think they can do because there are holes all over this basketball team right now. Yeah, but I'm wondering, too, the urgency with which the Suns are treating this, the training staff. Kevin Durant's people, and make no mistake about it, Kevin Durant is one of those players that has his own people. There's decisions to be made here. Mm-hmm. You can, This has never happened, and I feel very confident in saying this. You cannot win an NBA championship if you do not qualify for the playoffs. I, You know what? I was wondering if somebody was going to have that observation. <laughs> that thought occurred to me last night, and I thought, I don't know if I'm going to go out on that limb. I did. Yeah, you did. Props to you. <laughs> Nobody has ever won a title with missing the playoffs entirely. It's crazy. I, it, it, the thing is, through the last six, seven games, whatever it's been, they've been firmly ensconced. There's another word that's specific well, that's to Ooh. sports standings. That's good, yes. Kind of been ensconced in the number four seed, and it's been, they've just been immovable. Now they're at the point now where a couple more losses, they're going to start to slip. Well, we'll see. Next two games. And you got Friday night in Sacramento. That's not going to be a whole lot of fun. Then you got with Sixers at home the following night. Yeah, with oh, maybe man. no DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, brutal. But I mean, we talked about this yesterday. But <laughs> the biggest thing the Suns have been lucky of is the entire Western Conference being mediocre for the last you know three weeks, and them not falling even though they've been mediocre, which would possibly make an absence from the playoffs or a quick exit that much more painful. That's been one of the saving graces and silver linings of the season is, okay, it's been a struggle, not nearly as smooth as last year, but once the playoffs hit, if they're healthy, they'll just they'll, they'll, they'll roll yeah. through it. That would make it even more painful. No, it would. It really would. So uh, the good news is is that Kevin Durant will be coming back, right? We, are, we can't say that definitively, right? 
Which reevaluated a week from but today. You're right. This this stuff is so aggravating now because there was a time back in the day when if a guy rolled an ankle, if he missed a game, whoa. If he missed two, whoa. But that was all it was. It wasn't weeks and weeks. Remember and when weeks. we had cross talk cross talk with Wolf and Wolf's like, I rolled my ankle three times during this interview already. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> And again, Wolf didn't maybe, miss any time. and again, maybe they have new studies and maybe modern medicine points out that if you have a tissue injury, if you have a sprain, if you roll an ankle, the smart play really is to let it heal fully. Yeah. But I don't know, Vinny. It seems like the league has been overtaken by what you said. Stars and their crews and their teams mm-hmm. that create parameters and buffers for their guy and guardrails. For their brand and their guy and their meal ticket. I don't know. I'm not a big fan, to be honest. See, the, I'm really the, not. The organizations, the franchises themselves, their their viewpoints have changed, too. They're Clearly. ultra careful with everything. Well, I mean, even Paul George goes down. He knocks, he lands on a guy's foot, and you're like, okay, that's bad. And it's immediately like, oh, he's he's gone to at least the first round of the playoffs. Maybe gone for good. Like, uh, what I think they dodged ever? the book. That looked gross. It did look gross. <laughs> But I'm just saying, in general, it's just such a paradigm shift from what it used to oh, be. Oh, yeah. The inspiring, rub some dirt on it, tape yeah. it up, I'm going to play. Right. I mean, how fitting, uh, not fitting, it's still it's still sad, but the, the poster boy for that movement, Willis Reed, just passed away this yeah, week. it's true. Most famous moment ever. Could barely walk and played in an NBA Finals game. Uh, text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, still no trade worked out for DeAndre Hopkins from the Cardinals' side, but if it happens... Maybe you should be prepared to be underwhelmed with what the Cardinals get back. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Thursday, live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's a hard market to read because a lot of I mean, everybody likes the player, of course. I mean, you'd be foolish not to. Just how outstanding he is on Sundays every week after week after week. But I can't get a feel for the market. You know, everybody I'm asking, hey, what's what are you hearing on the price point? And it's like, oh, well, it's still a little too high. And that high point that everybody with these teams is, is speaking of is the salary, the trade. You got to wonder, you know, what are you getting off the field? Is he going to fit with your locker room? That's Jeff Howe, NFL writer from The Athletic on uh, Colin Cowherd's national radio show, talking about the difficulty in reading the market for uh, trade possibilities on DeAndre Hopkins. We know um, it's still very much a possibility right now, but all the rumors that are leaking out you know, about lack of interest team-wise, what the Cardinals could possibly get, and... Um, you know, th- we, we were talking about, oh, when this all started, first round pick, you got to trade DeAndre Hopkins, second round pick, maybe. The return on DeAndre Hopkins seems like it's going to be very Mm -hmm. underwhelming, and that's if a trade even happens, Bick. Well, yeah, and again, I think this is uh, this is really going to be a test of the Cardinals' nerve and of Monty Austin Ford's nerve. And, and I've been one that have said now that it, if it's really imminent to build a new culture, which I do believe that it is, then then you don't want distractions and you don't want holdouts and you don't want any drama. Yet, to me, this idea that that DeAndre Hopkins can be in great demand from suitors and yet the offers in return are garbage that those two things don't jive with me Vinny. well it, so it, it me, is if a- i'm the cardinals i'm saying you know what forget this you're under contract 
We're just going to deal with this. We'll deal with the cap hit. We'll deal with the dead money. We'll deal with your drama. And again, I, 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 I don't mean to sound contentious if the relationship between Diop and the Cardinals is fine. But this is a big-time asset. Now, you might have stolen him from Houston. But if you're sitting here telling me that the Cardinals could give up a first-round pick for Marquise Brown and get a fifth-rounder in return for DeAndre Hopkins, keep walking. I'm keeping him. And I'm, I'm playing the odds. I'm taking my chances. But And you said something that's important to consider in all of this. So far, the relation hasn't... It, it's clear no. DeAndre Hopkins wants out. I don't think contentious would be the adjective to use to describe the, the situation right now between player and team. But I think... DeAndre Hopkins could could change that tune very easily. He doesn't want to be here. Right. Are, the, are the Cardinals prepared to have a Jay Crowder situation on their hands? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, let's not do that again, first of all. <laughs> uh, second of all, to me, DeAndre Hopkins, again, I've said this multiple times, he's acting like he's a free agent. Yes. So, yeah, so for a guy who allegedly wants out, those words have not come out of his mouth. Cardinals should make him say it. If this is all Say you're get, if this is all you're getting and and his agent who's trying to facilitate this if this is all the garbage you're giving me if this is all you're getting I'm shutting it down I'm well, shutting it down I mean if this is the garbage we're getting now and DeAndre Hopkins hasn't said those words I mean that well, doesn't exactly strengthen the Cardinals case if you if you got a player that you know wants out yeah I right, listen uh, Albert Breer from SI.com in a uh, in a column that he had, he opened up the mailbag and somebody wrote in and said, what do you think the Cardinals get in a DeAndre Hopkins trade? The response was, I don't think it'll be what they initially wanted. Uh, the ask had been a second round pick and another asset. Based on the indications I've gotten, that sort of return simply isn't coming. I do think he'll bring back more than Brandon Cooks did for the Texans. Houston got a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 sixth rounder from the Cowboys, but it'll probably be closer to that than what Arizona is looking for. The reason why? He's missed 17 games in the past two years, 11 because of injury. He's about to turn 31, and he's coming in uh, with strings attached, Mm. one being that he really doesn't practice during the week, which is more manageable in some places than others. Because of that, you can immediately eliminate teams that are rebuilding, have a rookie quarterback or might need a culture change where the highest paid players need to drive the atmosphere. That means the market is limited. He's also owed almost $20 million for Mm. 2023. Okay. Yeah. And again, the, 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 his practice habits, which are curious at best, self-indulgent at worst, uh, to me, are, are, are a negative. There's no getting around that. And you do have to sign up for it and agree to that beforehand. There's no getting around that. He yes. is who he is. But a fifth-round draft pick, I'm sorry, he's more valuable He's more valuable than that. And I think teams are, are sensing the Cardinals being very weak right now, and the draft is coming up. And it's it's and again, if this is as good as the market's going to get, what does it tell you about what Steve Kime did to trade for Marquise Hollywood Brown? That's it. You know what that is? That's derelict. We talked about that that in the last two days, too, that I freely admit I was way wrong engaging that trade when it happened. Uh, It it made sense to me on draft night and in the months that followed. But man, was that was not a good deal. Well, I, I think we all said, okay, first round overall draft pick. This team has been terrible at drafting wide receivers. If they were able to draft a guy that played like Hollywood Brown, would you do it? And yeah. if that guy had a great relationship with your quarterback, well, would you do it? And the night of the draft when the deal went down, Hollywood Brown was your number two receiver. He became your number one receiver de facto a couple yeah. of days later. And that we didn't, didn't work we out. didn't see well. that coming. No. Yeah. And, and, and he wasn't ready for that either. So. Isn't it weird, too, that... <clears throat> 
the, the stance on DeAndre Hopkins when the Cardinals got him. He came to town with that whole, hey, he doesn't like to practice thing, and it became an issue. And you talked about it. My stance at the time was a player like that who's going to be available on Sundays mm-hmm. and you're going to win a lot of games, which the Cardinals did for, for two years with DeAndre Hopkins, you deal with it. There's no way a player with, with what's going on now in roster building, culture change, whatever you want to call it, with a new coaching staff, there's no way you can have it, that element. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you get any high-producing employee that gets to the point where he can dictate his work terms and they are different than everybody else's and then you indulge that one guy at the mm-hmm. expense of everybody else and nobody else gets those privileges, that can't turn out good. Well, That, that does not create good culture. And that's the way it started. That mm-hmm. was not the case last year. They indulged a lot of guys. <laughs> well, practice it, because, the because, of the, because the D-Hop precedent, and it really honestly seemed to get to the point where Cliff Kingsbury just said, look, if you're healthy, fine. If not, well, then just tell me and you don't have to practice. Yep. Uh, legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620. Submit a video. Thank you, Al, message. We may even play it on the air. Just text Al, A-L, to 620-620. Coming up next, there was a lot of weirdness in the NBA last night, not just in Los Angeles. We'll get into some of it straight ahead. Bickley Murata here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Golden State gets the basketball. Dallas all lined up. Out of timeouts, nobody was there. And when we went to break, there was confusion regarding whose basketball it was. Golden State takes it out and scores the bucket. I mean, they inbounded Cavani. Nobody was there. Dallas wasn't ready. He slam dunked it home. But it almost looked as though Dallas was defending the wrong basket because they were all back. It wasn't as though someone for Dallas went to take the basketball out of bounds as they were going down to their end of the floor. <laughs> did that bucket count for Golden State? It did, yep. Looney's slam counts, and it's 90-87. <laughs> to You that, see everything in basketball. I've never seen that one. That will absolutely be on Not Top 10 wow. this Friday. That's ESPN Radio, uh, their call of uh, Dallas-Golden State last night. The bucket did count. It was a three-point game there. Wouldn't you know, Bick, that uh, it would turn out to be a two-point Golden State win when it was all said and done and everybody talking about that particular exchange including Mavericks owner Mark Cuban who had a series of tweets last night uh, one of them you know it read during the timeout the official changed the call and never told us when they saw us line up as if it were our ball he just gave the ball to the Warriors never said a word to us they got an easy basket crazy that that would matter in a two-point game he called it the worst officiating non-call mistake possibly in the history of the NBA all they had to do was tell us and they didn't this is one of those situations mm-hmm. Vic, where I have a problem with everybody involved all right To Mark Cuban's statement, um, when they saw us line up as if it were our ball, did you? There was nobody there to take the ball from the official to inbound the ball. Yeah. You had five players on one side of the court, and it was the wrong side of the court. Yeah, his his explanation didn't seem to jibe with what we saw happen. No. Now, maybe they were laid out of the timeout and just kind of like meandering that way. I don't know. Maybe. I don't and know. If you maybe. see that, you'll see a, a quick whistle a lot of times, a delay. A game will be issued. I do have a problem with the official, too. 
Because he clearly, there was no mistake if you watch the replay. He signaled Golden State ball. There was a timeout that's mandatory on a timeout, the first the first break in action after three minutes. He pointed to Dallas to indicate that it's their timeout coming off of their timeout ledger. That was very clear. What he did after the timeout, though, he very easily could have held up play and said, look, it's, it's Golden State ball yeah. here. Do you guys want to play defense or not? Dallas was ill-prepared, yeah. but he did not have to put that ball in play. No, either. he did not. No, he did not. And so now we have got a game under protest. <laughs> Courtesy of Mark Cuban. Yes. Which, I did not know this. Uh, if you want to protest the outcome of a game, there's a whole series of events that you have to go through, including a $10,000 fee. Oh, so they hit you up <laughs> for like an entry fee. Yes. Wow. I never knew that until this morning. Holy cow. So that's sort of a deterrent from protesting a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of games. That might yeah, break, what's it worth to you? That then. might break Mark Cuban. It might. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to have a bake sale or something yeah. to raise funds. <laughs> then at the end of the game, still a two point game, comes down to Luca, who's back from his injury, and Luca misses a shot at the end. He's guarded by Draymond Green. He's right underneath the basket. Pretty good defense by Green. No foul called. Luca, who again complains about everything, walking down the court makes the money gesture. Yeah. I'm the money real, gesture. I'm wondering how much money that's going to cost Luka Doncic, if anything. Okay, so at what point in time does Adam Silver, you ever see this guy, Jerry? Oh at what gracious. point in time does Adam Silver go, okay, you know what? We need to change this. We need to do something about this right now. You've, wh- wh- look at what we've got recently. You've got Fred Van Vliet going off on officials, naming one by name. You've got Luka claiming that they're paid off. By the league who wants Golden State to beat Dallas. Yes. And the whining is just, again, it's, it is so unbecoming and so relentless that I cannot believe the NBA has let this continue to fester. Three games last night, Bick. Dallas-Golden State, which we're talking about. Suns-Lakers, which we're going to continue to talk about because officiating was a big thing there. You mentioned Fred Van Vliet calling out an official. That official, Ben Taylor, was working the Atlanta-Minnesota game last night. And as the crew chief already admitted before the last two-minute mm-hmm. report comes out today, they blew a foul call. They didn't call a foul that was committed that would have affected the outcome of that game. It was a one-point game. It should have been free throws for Atlanta to shoot for the win. And they said, yeah, we, we missed that one. And I was talking to my buddy last night, and he said, the story in the NBA more nights than not is the officiating. And that is an awful look. And we've gone through well, it recently with the NFL, too, when you have the rash of weird or controversial calls, and everybody comes to work on Monday morning, and around the water cooler, they're talking about the officiating. It's awful listen, for and, any league I, that has to go through and, that. And I want to get into this as it applies to the Phoenix Suns here, because I, I'm sensing a lot of trouble on this issue in regards to oh, yeah. what the head coach is presenting and what the players are honestly feeling. There's a disconnect there, and we're going to get into this. But, we will. But, but I do agree with this. I do agree with this. The, the, stance that this is just too much. I have said for probably a decade, maybe longer, because this this predates me even coming to Phoenix. I used to see this thing happen from Phil Jackson. Well, for all for all the great things Phil Jackson used to do, it used to drive me nuts. After every playoff loss, you could predict the words that were coming out of his mouth, and it was all about officials this and officials that and officials that. And 
at some point in time, I don't know why the NBA hasn't said, okay, you know what? We are going to go full-on medieval here, and we are going to create a law that if you as a basketball player, if you so much as open your mouth, you're getting teed up. If you so much as disagree verbally, vehemently, on a basketball court, you're getting teed up. No exceptions. And if you, and if your entire team is gone by the end of the first quarter, that is on you. And it sounds harsh, but they do it in Major League. Yeah, I was going to say, arguing balls and strikes has you become that now. Immediate. You're gone. And so you don't do it. That would be the most unwatchable sports product ever offered to the American public. If if they well listen it would it would take a, it would take an adjustment period but players would stop complaining. Oh. <laughs> they, baseball mean, players have okay we we can can we have a meet in the middle where the players stop complaining as much get, how are you get, get better how, officiating? Well, again, where are you going to get the better officials from? Are, you want to hire FIBA's top officials? Maybe that might not be a bad idea. The idea of NBA players getting star treatment that's ridiculous as a concept. Let players Luka, call their own fouls well, until the last two minutes listen, of the game. And, and, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because in it in the laws of nature, if you will, Vinny, the way the world works. If you want to get sort of Hobbesy in here. The way the world works, human nature, in basketball, that's where it all begins, calling your own fouls. Uh And so when you graduate out of that into professional where there's people calling the fouls, it it all kind of – there's an expectation now. And this expectation – clearly, you can go through every NBA game and you see egregious missed calls. You're never going to get that out of the game, ever. There's going to be missed individual calls. But this pervasive belief that the refs are out to get the Phoenix Suns, that Luka Doncic thinks the refs are paid off by the Golden State Warriors or the NBA, now that kind of stuff, if I'm commissioner, I'm putting an end to that. Because now, where's the credibility of the game? If you've got players in the sport acting like all of this is rigged. It's a fascinating topic. It, it really is. And I said that tongue-in-cheek about players calling their own fouls. Imagine a Luka game. Oh. <laughs> players and, are calling their own well, fouls. You know this because you played a lot of pickup basketball, too. Yeah, on a pickup basketball court, you call your own foul. There might be a guy, oh, come on. Now come. But, but you honor it. There, you honor it. Yeah. The guy that team retains the ball, and you just kind of deal with it because what, what's your choice? There's no video review. No, at the Phoenix downtown YMCA, you might get stomped too if you uh, protest too much. Right. So I, I don't know what the NBA is going to do about this. Hiring better officials, training them better. I mean, I'm these all, are the best officials in Listen, the world. But I'm uh, all for that. I think they've created a situation where basketball is too hard to officiate effectively. I, I, I think, listen, they've also tried to diversify um, NBA officiating staffs to the point where I think they've got a lot of young inexperience that they might not have had in the past. So they need to they need time to work that through. And, and I think maybe if, if they do commit to uh, commit to better training, and I don't even I think they do a lot of training as it is. Oh, they do. Yeah, listen, I don't know how much better they can get. I mean, these are the best in the world at it. So the question becomes is the best in the world at it is this what you get? Is this is this the product from the best officials in the world? Yeah, it's a huge story, not only around the league, not only in Dallas today, but also in Phoenix because of the reactions from the Suns, both on the court and in the interview room after their loss to the Lakers. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Thursday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.